What's up, Badass Asian Dudes? I am super excited to be here. My name is Victor Ong. I am a cannabis wellness and emotional intelligence coach with the Badass Asian Dudes. And I have two other co-hosts with me, Brandon and Nick. Uh, you two want to say hi for, real quick? Yeah, I'll go real quick. I'm Nick. I'm super excited to be here. I'm an engineering manager at Medium. Uh, used to work at a cannabis company too, actually, ease over in uh, California. But these days, I find myself focused much more on uh, emotional intelligence and the EM role over at Medium, the blogging company. Hey, what's up, badass Asian dudes? I'm Brandon. Uh, I'm an Olympic weightlifting and flexibility coach. I'm also a big fan of recreational and use, uh, a responsible use of psychedelics, as well as emotional intelligence and uh, just overall weirdo. So I'm happy to be talking with John here and just letting you guys know that we have fun things to talk about right now. So we do, we do so much good stuff. And uh, again, all of us are super excited to have on as our guest, John Kim here, uh, super badass Korean American dude, author of I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck, co-founder of Journey, Tattoo ridden, motorcycle riding, skateboarding ex therapist, who you might know as the angry therapist. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I, um, man, you guys had me at uh, Badass Asian. Uh, when I heard the title, I was like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta do that. Um, can I ask you guys what uh, 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 ethnicity you are specifically? Yeah, yeah, I am Chinese. You're Chinese, right? I'm Korean American. Okay, nice. Chinese. Oh. We got so, a 50-50 split. Yeah, we got like checkers going on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two Koreans. And, and I'm assuming I'm obviously the oldest uh, in the group. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s where Asian, when Asians weren't cool. Um, you know, uh, I got lucky, but most of my um, friends got made fun of and, and beat up and all that. And if we told people we were starting a group called Badass Asian Dudes, man, we would have gotten our ass kicked. <laughs> it would be like, you're going to do some Bruce Lee moves? Yeah, what you yeah. going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. And, and we're super excited to have you on to talk more about that, too. Um, being a podcast for and by Badass Asian Dudes, we actually like to ask all of our guests to start off. What does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? Man, I, I'm going to start by saying um, it doesn't involve martial arts uh, as, as an Asian American. Um, I, think, I think badass to me means um, having the courage to uh, uh, live authentically, you know, live a life that's meaningful to you, um, being okay with not falling into stereotypes, right? Uh, and also being Asian American, um, at least from my generation, we have a lot of pressure from parents to, um, you know, be the lawyer, be the doctor, uh, go to school. Um, I had a lot of pushback when I wanted to buy a motorcycle or get tattoos, even, even um, you know, marrying outside of my race and then getting a divorce. So um, I've also been a C student. Um, so I, I, I pretty much lived everything that was the, um, the nightmare of a, a, an Asian American parent. Um, so having the courage to um, be yourself. I think that to me, that's badass. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, and, and we get into, and you talk a lot about that in your book. Um, I used to be a miserable fuck and it's super cool that you're just so like real about it, you know? And I think hearing your story from being, you know, being a therapist and, and almost leaving that world to almost search for that authenticity. Like what was that journey like? Um, yeah, so that started 10 years ago and, uh, the divorce forced me to start all over. 
and uh, you know, I was broke, had no money, no friends. Uh, my my life revolved around you know my my wife and my definition of uh, of happy, which I was just kind of chasing. And at the time, I was a screenwriter. Um, when I decided to become a therapist, and then I got a divorce, uh, that's what like shook my life at just sketch. And um, the double edged sword is that uh, you know it's it's hard, it's difficult, and I was going through a broken heart. Uh, but at the same time, um, when you're at that kind of low, the beauty of it is you can start completely all over. You know, a lot of people who have success, it's hard for them to start over because, you know, they're comfortable or a lot of people who are financially uh, established or, you know, already um, have communities and stuff. But man, at that point, I was 35. I had nothing. So um, you kind of become fearless when you have nothing to lose. Yeah. 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 So what was that? Like, what was the thing that made you decide I got to turn it inward and stop kind of blaming outside circumstances and people? for your for situation um i i i uh again it was basically um losing my my marriage uh not having a sense of purpose not having friends having um just 10 years of grinding as a screenwriter mm. um and just getting to a point where i was like man what am i going to do now like i'm done um and i started to look inward so instead of uh chasing shiny things cuz i ran a restaurant bar club in hollywood for a while and uh, I, I was very um, into, you know, everything that's external. So like the things, the cars, the, you know, whatever, women, houses in the hills. Uh, and also just, you know, being raised in L.A., I just was programmed to chase that. And uh, when I became a therapist, um, it forced me to uh, look inward, to um, kind of do a self-inventory, self-examination. Um, and, and I just listened to that. And uh, that was the beginning. That was the first domino. Yeah. yeah. I still like things. I still like things, <laughs> but <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, it, and I think it's okay. Like I want to, you know, I, I want a house in the Hills and a collection of motorcycles and, and all that. But, you know, I think that those, those are like the byproduct of living a life that's meaningful, um, of making your dent. That's not the, um, that's not the, 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 the thing, right? That's not what's going to make, make you happy. Those are just things that, that, that ripple from, um, you running toward your, your true north. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it almost sounds like you, you kind of had to experience that too, to really like understand, okay, maybe there is this search for something that isn't completely satisfying or, or fulfilling me. And I wonder, cause a, a lot of our listeners are maybe in that stage where actually, I think, I think you might've mentioned something around a lot of men not really having this uh, a a like a um a coming of age sort of phase right to be able yeah. to go through certain things and really have an experience that helps them you know shift a, a more yeah. meaningful part of their life like how do you i guess how would you for those who maybe don't have that you know is there a way to really invoke that for ourselves, or maybe like you know create that situation where we can we don't have to like force ourselves to be in this like you know to force ourselves to have a divorce or, or like you right, know like right. do all these things in order to, yeah. to learn how to better improve like what yeah i mean i think it's different for everyone and i don't know where you guys are at in your your life um but i think every every man every guy goes uh from boy to man they cross that great divide and it requires usually something so like 
you know, if you're an addict hitting rock bottom, you know, a broken heart, an expired relationship, a divorce, uh, like maybe losing something, a career, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of Asians who, um, um, are successful fast because they went to school and got good grades and they're high achievers. And then they crash, you know, maybe in finance or in law. And they're like, this is not who I am. This is not miserable. Um, so usually take something like that where, uh, you are um, going from comfortable to uncomfortable and uh, you enter your hero's journey, you know, you slay dragons and you, you do the whole thing and you come back to the village changed. Uh, I, I, I think that it should be required. Um, but it, usually it's the universe that, uh, that kind of sets that up for us, depending on our story. Um, there, yeah, there, it'd be amazing if like after college you go to this like uh, school that becomes a catalyst to you Man know? university. Something right. like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, I've totally dreamed of that too. Like where, you know, you start to look at how we follow someone else's true north because that's just how we all grow up, right? Yeah. Someone gives us like, they give you the best information to go get something good for yourself. But yeah. it's always like two degrees off. And when we go to that, the end of what someone recommends for us and we're like, this is not, this is not a good feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also um, as an Asian American, and I don't know about you guys, um, I'm, I'm obviously older. Um, my parents came to America with no money. So I didn't get, uh, you know, this idea of emotional intelligence that they don't know what the right. fuck that is. Like it was, um, <laughs> survival mode, you know, yeah. it, was, it was my mom working in, uh, like a set convenience store for 14 hours a day and getting held up and, you know, uh, making egg rolls and selling burgers and stuff like that for years. Um, and then my dad pulling telephone cable, you know, and then also dad being an alcoholic, a, fu- a functioning alcoholic, um, just not really there emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. So I never had a dad who taught me how to play baseball. I never had a dad who took me camping, any of that stuff. Uh, they were busy trying to buy us Levi's and cool skateboards. And so I grew up, um, but pop culture raised me, right? And I, I learned early sure. on that if you were good at something, um, then you could fit in. And because I wasn't good at school, I was like, okay. And I had a thirst for you know adventure. I was like, well, I'm going to break dance. I'm going to skate. I'm going to do these other things. And um, I, 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 hopefully this is not the case now, but when I was growing up, the cool kids only let in one Asian guy. There was only one badass Asian <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, the token Asian guy, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yeah. and, um, oh and your ticket in was, um, it wasn't because you got girls, because girls didn't like Asian guys then. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, an ability, you know, or maybe, maybe your family had money. It was something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're funny or whatever. And so... Uh, I, I just got really lucky and I was, that, I was that guy that got in. And so um, I never got picked on, um, but I know around me, you know, we uh, Asian, Asian dudes were, <laughs> were always, yeah. they, were, they were forced to go do their own thing. Um, but I also grew up in a very white world and I know it's very different now. Isn't LA, so you grew up in a part of LA just that didn't have a lot of Asian kids there? Because I know LA these yeah. days has a ton of Asian representation yeah. when you grew up in the 80s there. Yeah, man, I wish I grew up, um, you know, post fast and furious post um <laughs> now Don't because yeah. yeah and now i know people who are like um they only like asian people or you know stuff like that and then and, and, but when i grew up man it wasn't that far um when i grew up where jerry lewis was taping his eyes back you know it wasn't mm-hmm. that far i mean, grew up with the john hughes movies in the 80s and there was a character named long the dong mm-hmm. and um oh, yeah we know, you know yeah. it's a total like like geek and uh yeah all that shit man it wasn't we weren't portrayed in media and I don't even think we are yet, right? I think we're getting there. Um, but we weren't portrayed as like, you know, cool, sexy, all of that. 
Um, but I know yeah. now, um, I do know now I have friends and also female friends who like only date Asian guys. Like now we've kind of like, I, I think yeah. are starting to become more you know, yeah. acceptable. And commercial. Yellow we're definitely, yeah, 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 we're definitely getting there, but there's like, you know, the fact that like a lot of Asian guys still get mad about William Hung's of the world makes us think like, we're not all the way there. Right. Because if you were talking right. about like a random white comedian doing what William Hung did, that would be like, Oh, that's just a random guy, not a random yeah. white guy. And that's why the William Hung example, a lot of people get hung up on that because they still think like, we don't have enough representation for us to not be that one monolith, you know? It was interesting. What do you think yeah. it's going to take? Wait, so how, how, old are, how old are you, um, Nick? I'm 32. 32, yeah. and then how old are you, uh, Brandon? I'm 36. Oh, okay, so you guys are in your 30s. Vic, what about you? 30. Oh, you guys are all in your 30s. Okay, cool. Yeah. What, do you, what do you guys think it's, uh, it's going to take for um, Asian men to cross over, right? Because it's mm. different with Asian women. You know, Asian women, um, because of yeah. the, the whole, like, fetish, and, and you know, they've always been... Um, sexualized and all that right um yeah honestly i have a lot of hope in the way international world is treating asian men these days i don't know about mm -hmm. the u.s how long it's gonna take in there but like you yeah. know the rise of k-pop the raise the rise yeah. of like these chinese superstars that are like very masculine in their own way in china and i think like right. that sort of thing will hopefully be a beacon for the rest of the, the west to kind of like eventually move towards um yeah. i i just don't really see it happening in the u.s too often because like all these movies I'm thinking about, eh, some of them were like obviously like what is it? Was a really big movie that came out, you know? I'm oh, about. the rich, the rich, uh, crazy rich Asians. Yeah, crazy rich Asians. I was like yeah. less targeted, but it was yeah. from Singapore. It was about Singapore, you know. Uh, so like, yeah, I, I think it's gonna take a couple more of those where like it just turns out it's just not weird for an Asian guy to be a romantic lead, not even yeah. controversial. It's just like, oh, yeah. of course, it's a flavor of romantic, not like a weird choice, right? And that yeah. I still think that's like 10, 20 years out. It's gonna be a little bit, I think, in my mind. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, we still don't have like an Asian James Bond or an Asian, um, you know, whatever, uh, right? Heartthrob or a leading man, that kind of thing. So, yeah. so John, I know you're into fitness and CrossFit. So, it, this is sort of a newish thing, but like, you probably tried Olympic weightlifting, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm not into it as much as I was, but uh, I was into it when it first came out and when. They were in alleyways flipping tires and shit. And I was like, wow, what, what is, what's going on here? Uh, but I was, yeah, about nine, badass, right? nine years ago, yeah. I was really into it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so when China started to dominate the weightlifting scene, that's the first time I'd ever seen like a superstar, mm. oh, right. buff Asian guy, like yeah. where people were like, holy shit, he is commanding respect. And yeah. I was like, but that wasn't 10 years ago. Like no one cared about that before. Right, so right, that's recent. Fitness, I think, is yeah. a huge avenue for a lot of guys to not just not only prove themselves but be represented like face like their face you know? yes that that's actually a really interesting um comment because i think uh um there's a lot of asian athletes man and i think that uh um even though we don't play football but we're coming in through like weightlifting um other kind of sports and um yeah i think that might be a good door to enter right maybe it's not going to be the blockbuster um but maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's going to be other things like that and of course obviously dancing you know, K-pop, all that stuff is, yeah. Well, and, and I love that too, in that, you know, there, there's that physical approach we can take, uh, the fitness, the, the physical appearance, the attractiveness there. Um, I think what is less talked about is the more emotional side. Yeah. Really building ourselves up internally and really like, really showing our own authenticity and being yeah. proud of that, being assertive with that. I think a lot of like I can definitely relate to the the Asian guys who maybe absorbed a lot of that narrative from the limited representation that we had that sure. like, 
maybe this is this is the only way to be or you know uh or whatnot so so to really then find ourselves and really mm-hmm. our own truth um i think that's a really good way to then start having other people see that like this is they're their own person and they're they're proud of that as well yeah are there any asian um i mean of course there's asian therapists but are there any asian um people authors writing self-help books besides myself males oh no yeah yeah there definitely are and i can't think of them right now but um if I know there are, we should definitely find them and bring them onto the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's also, uh, I mean, behind every one of them, there's going to be an interesting story, right? Yeah. I think we want to get into those space ourselves. Like, uh, these two are like actual, like, Victor as an emotional health coach. I'm seeing this guy, I want to see him write a book on this sort of topic too, right? Yeah. And like, I've been super helped by uh, people like him and Gavin, who does this thing that's called Flow Masters. So I think there's definitely an interesting space of Asian men that are starting to build up here and we're starting to yeah. support each other. And that's actually where we really want to take badass Asian dudes, right? To like, not just have a place to talk about on Facebook for all these random topics, but really be like, hey, not just like interesting topics that are coming up, but we can really self- support each other and really like show each other a better way to be around our race and the way we are that is uplifting and really powerful because like what we're talking about with the asian male representation that's on us we have to be so badass in what we do that like we just start show up in the world no matter what people are thinking about us and come off and just show them this is how we can be i love the answer um it's actually really needed um and and especially in places like korea where there's a lot of toxic masculinity you know um Yeah. yeah absolutely I, I, I love the flag you guys are waving. I think it's important. And also you guys are at a really good time where I think um, people are going to be open and response to, responding to it instead of, um, you know, uh, not wanting to, to be a part of it or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope so. If anybody is listening to this, please do reach out. But um, to, back to, I think, the, the topics, though, around, like, what, what could a, an Asian man for themselves do to become their own version of badass in in your opinion like especially those that maybe didn't have those models i know you actually worked with a lot of children in your in your earlier days who you found didn't really have that positive father figure yeah as well um um so so maybe those who don't have that or maybe a model that is more emotionally available what can someone in that situation do for themselves to be able to create their own badassery yeah, I think, um, and it's not just Asian men, I think it's all, all men. Um, to, um, I mean, if you really break it down to like, it's, it's you know, a simplicity um, to respond instead of react, right? That's one of the ones that I, I really, because I used to be very reactive and very angry um, to try to understand before trying to understand, uh, before trying to be understood, right? Um, have you guys heard of the, f- the four stages? And I, I, I talk about this a lot. Uh, there's um yeah i love to, to me by me for me and through me for me yeah, and, mm, yeah um, that's in your book i yeah. love that yeah yeah and i think a lot of um men in general i actually don't think they're men i think they're boys with a lot of wounds um but also culturally especially asian um because of machismo and all that um it, they're 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 in the by me or the to me which is a, the, the like the low frequencies right um which is basic by me is basically iron fist you know it's a lot of testosterone it's my way or the highway um, to me is victim mode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I creating your own prison because you feel that you're a victim in this world. Um, but, but I don't see a lot of men in the for me or through me space, uh, for me getting to a place where you feel like you deserve, you know, whatever it is, healthy relationship or you deserve, um, 
you know, to be a part of something bigger than you, whatever it is. And it threw me um, that it's not even about you, that there's stuff happening that is uh, greater than you and, and that you are a conduit, you're a catalyst. And uh, I think men who maneuver on a for me, through me, and men who um, respond instead of react, they have the ability to put that emotional speed bump uh, and, and being aware, being metacognitive, being aware that whatever they say or do is going to affect other people and caring about that. Um, and then men who try to understand before trying to be understood. Like if you just took those concepts, that I mean, I, I, was, I was none of those things, you know, my 20s and 30s. It wasn't until like 35-ish that I, that I turned the corner. Um, but there's very few of those um, in general, but even um, uh, when it comes to Asian men, um, probably less so because of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, the, the having the four stages is a really cool way for for those who maybe need that framework to say, oh, maybe I am sort of in this part of the spectrum and and this is a, a way to move forward. But I wonder, like, because I, 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 I come from a very, like, left-brained, almost logical side going into technology, being the yeah. oldest, you know, uh, in, in the family to be that responsible person and... I guess I'm wondering, like, what are those, what, like, how can you really be in that state of being for me and through me? And, and what does that really mean or look like? Yeah. And, and what, is, what does it look like for you guys? Um, like, so uh, Nick and Brandon, with what you guys are doing, um, do you guys feel like you guys are also on that journey? Or do you feel like uh, that happened 100%. a while ago? Yeah, I'm 100% on that journey. I think like, I think I'm for me and I started to experience the beginning stages through me because I've realized I might be Taoist in the way I think about the world. I'm actually realizing a spiritual practice mm -hmm. and like having these like insights into insight where it's like, Oh, there's a part of me or something that's working through me that is much more capable of like insights than I am just thinking about things. Yeah. And when you start waking up to that, it's like, there's gotta be something happening. There's gotta be something I could tap into. And I think that is the through me realization, right? Yeah. So I'm still on the journey myself, but I know I resonate with Victor here. I come from like a very left, like I went to MIT and like, I was taught that like, wow. you know, science is real and religion is not. And then like, you know, I'm also the oldest son. So I had to like have a good career coming up to now. So I think one thing that you said earlier, John, where like, you know, if you have a success trapping, it's sometimes harder to get to these realizations. I think yeah. I like, I'm starting to crack this only because I've realized like my success is not because I went to these places and I had this stuff. It's because of what's inside of me and my ability to like tap into greater things, you know? So mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. on the journey myself. I'm not like at the three me stage completely, but I feel like I'm at four me. Vic, where, where did you go to school? I went to the university of Washington in Seattle. Okay. And then what about you, Brandon? Where'd you go to uh, college or did you go? I actually went to UC Riverside down okay. in the desert. So I went to Cal State Northridge. And I don't know if you guys want to keep me on here, but um, with Asians in there. <laughs> um, Even more, was, man. Even yeah, more. I was studying in, t in tents because it was during the, the Northridge quake. But uh, I didn't even apply to UC schools because I knew I wouldn't get in. And so I went to Northridge, man. I remember having a lot of shame and embarrassment about that, that like uh, as a Korean American, I was going to a Cal State mm. school. Um, mm. Really made me feel, you know, like I, I was the kid that got held back. Um, but anyway, what about you, Brandon? Where are you at as far as uh, the, the the stages in your journey? Man, th this past year has been nuts. Um, I am in the through me now. I have yeah. to, I'm, I understand mm. my importance that things are happening through me because I definitely grew mm. up without a dad in the victim. Like this happened to me because I didn't have a dad. <laughs> or, right. I had to work through so much of that, like my own prison, right? Find the bars of my own cage and then- yeah. Um, he actually passed away this past year and mm. 
you know, that combined with COVID and several psychedelic experiences, I had to realize like, I am here to do something, but I can't do it alone. I need to receive from other people. And it, it's not yeah. just about me. There's something bigger going on that I'm not the reason that it's happening, but it's happening through me. Have you done ayahuasca? I have not. Uh, okay. But you've I've done, done other. I have done DMT and I've done 5-MeO DMT, the toad venom ceremony. You heard oh, of that? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah I've heard about that. Like was, yeah. Was, yeah, that, that was, was that life-changing for you or no? 100%. I actually oh. got this uh, crazy vision when I had it where like I was riding this cloud and it, I was riding a cloud in this like intergalactic sky where there was like a bunch of guys raising up behind me. And I had a vision of like helping men support. Like I had a vision basically that's coming true right now, like being part of that and like trying to like do all these things to like help my fellow men around me kind of understand that like there's a better way to be. My main thing was like realizing almost every guy in my life that I talked to has been very painful to women in their life. And like, I know I've had moments where I'm like that, but to some of what they were doing, I found repulsive, but I still wanted to like be friends with them and try to help them out of that sort of stuff. So the, the toe venom ceremony really like helped crystallize that as something I find very important. I want to have something be meaningful in my life which right. is part of why this conversation has been really great too, because like, I really appreciate what you wrote in your book, John. There's a lot in there that I find deeply meaningful and I resonate a lot with. Yeah. Oh, thanks man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm curious. Like, have you had any psychedelic experiences, John? As, um, as, right. so I, I want to do, um, I, I want to do ayahuasca. I want to do the toad thing. Um, um, I'm, I'm a little scared, uh, but I want to do it. I've been asked probably over, you know, six times to do it. And I think I will, um, <laughs> I tried mushrooms, uh, stuff like that. Uh, hmm. but no, I haven't. And I also, a uh, therapist are now, I guess, illegally using MDMA in, in hmm. sessions and yeah. doing like, uh, three hour sessions and stuff, which, which is, you know, the mad scientist in me is fascinated by that. Right. Um, so I'm curious to see how it all emerges. Um, but so, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by, by anything where, um, the experience changes your lenses to me. That's right. like, that's amazing. Yeah. The MDMA shouldn't be illegal for long, right? Like that's hitting cl phase three clinical trials. They should be able to get yeah. it to the point where you can do like a, like it's going to be schedule three substance. So you can do it uh, off. Uh, what's the word where you can prescribe it, but you, you can, we're basically able to use it in practice. If you're a therapist in the next couple of years, right. it should be legal in 2021. Yeah. yeah. But man, there's so much change happening in the world. It's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, come, dude, I come from pagers and like, yeah, uh, I, mean, I had a pager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, now, like, I mean, this is common language zoom and you know, right. like it's, it's fucking nuts, but, uh, exciting. Where, um, to that point, actually, where do you, where do you see, so I guess in that through me journey, where, what do you feel like is coming through you right now, John? Wow. Um, so I don't think that it's a consistent thing, right? Um, if anyone tells you that, you know, they're in that through me state for a hundred percent of it, right. I mean, that's, I think that's. Um, ego and stuff. Um, I think it kind of hits us in, in moments, you know, um, and, and we could also be uh, predominantly in kind of a for me or through me stage, but also have days where we feel like a victim or days that our ego kicks in and we're, you know, running our, our company with an iron fist or whatever. That just means we're human. Um, but like, what's the frequency that you, you know, predominantly, you know, uh, live on? Um, so for me, um, I think, again, I think it comes in moments. So it, it started when I was working in nonprofit uh, and, you know, I was making 30 grand a year. Uh, I was embarrassed to work there. Also not a lot of Koreans um, in the trenches, khakis, you know, I, I dropped 60 K for a master's and 
uh, here the universe threw me into nonprofit. It wasn't my idea of what a therapist looked like. I wanted to be Dr. Drew. You know, I wanted to be uh, the the guy with the, the beautiful office and uh, the latte and the BMW and all of that. Um, but in nonprofit, and I also didn't want to work with kids. And uh, I was working with teenagers, all addicts. Um, but I was running groups. And this is where I started to feel something greater than me because we'd have an hour and a half group. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Um, I almost felt possessed. Um, you know, there, we, there's a lot of like flow state happening where you're, where you're so present, um, channeling something, whether it's creative energy or, or something greater, um, where I would run a group and I would um, say things without even knowing what I would be saying, uh, set up things, pay them off, spin plates, you know, have people laughing, crying. Uh, and I remember driving home and feeling this weird, like, that, like possession, like, um, that wasn't me. That was bigger than me. Like, how did I learn to do that? Uh, and those moments came often in nonprofit. And for me, it was, um, those moments that made me realize I was supposed to be there. And, and, and that was the, the birth of my first book. And that's where I developed this idea of containers. And, and, um, I applied a lot of that learning to myself as, as I was going through my, my rebirth. Um, but yeah, those were, those are my early moments of feeling a through me state in, in, you know, and so now I, f- I feel it uh, sporadically, you know, yeah. things I do. Yeah. No, and I think that is important to, to recognize too, that like, this is not the end or like destination to just be through me all the time. Right. No, um, it's impossible. man. Yeah. And, and I think it's a really cool comparison that you make in terms of flow state in that sense where it just like, it just naturally happens and you're like, Oh wow. I didn't even know that was, you know, in me, like something came about in yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was really cool to hear. Brandon's um, picking up his cane. <laughs> well, I, I one thing I connected with was with the minute you mentioned CrossFit and physical mm. uh, suffering and just understanding that has been a huge catalyst for yeah. me. And I wanted to ask you what part that played in your rebirth and transformation. Yeah, so I believe that uh, self-betterment sometimes is more about a reunion than anything else. And I believe that as we grow up and become adults, um, we have to take care of people. We, you know, pay taxes, get married, have kids, whatever. Um, and we lock parts of ourselves away into a hope chest. And so for me, um, CrossFit wasn't about like the workouts or aesthetics. You know, that, that might've been something that, that drew me in. Um, but the, the reason why CrossFit was so therapeutic for me was because um, when I think about when I felt the most alive, it was when I was 12 in the 80s, windbreaker, fat laces, breakdancing, right? Um, I felt the most freedom. I felt alive. I just, you know, that's very John Kim. Um, and then I gave that all away because I had to grow up and the gymnastic movement. So the butterfly pull-ups, handstand push-ups, the muscle ups, dude, that yep. tapped me back. I just felt like I was 12 again. Yes. And then, you know, and then across you, you blast yes. that music and you're shirtless and stuff. So like, as I was doing that stuff, man, I just heard like, I just heard like the Rocky theme song in the background. Um, yeah. And I got addicted to that. Um, and so I would come two, three yes. times a day chasing that whiteboard um, and just really trying to redefine myself. Um, and also I was obsessed with, uh, because I was, a, uh, I played football in high school, but I didn't never play it. I was a bench warmer. I was like the kid with the whitest uniform and I know CrossFit attracts a lot of athletes. And so something shifted in me where I was like, I have a false belief that I'm not an athlete, you know, um, although I've been athletic, mm-hmm. like skated, but I've never been an athlete. Right. Um, I was the guy on the bench watching all the, the first string people. And so CrossFit gave me a chance to get on the field again, you know? So um, I became like the basement guy, the, uh, 
you guys ever see uh, Iron Man? I don't know which one it was, but um, Iron Man is now successful and he's tap dancing and, and he's got the Audi, the R8, and he's successful. Uh, it's like a mm-hmm. parade going on. And then you pan down into the basement and you see this guy with long hair who's creating these electronic whips and yep. he's doing pull-ups. Yeah. 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 Rupert, yeah. yeah. And, and you, yeah. you know when this guy surfaces, like shit's going to go down, right? And um, <laughs> yes. I love that because I'm like, you know what? I love Iron Man, but I'm like, be the basement guy. Be the, guy, <laughs> be the basement you know? guy. Be the basement yeah. guy. And yes. so for the, those like three or four years, I, I was that guy. So, so I did that in CrossFit, came home, and just would blog my ass off. And I know, um, Nick, you work, for, you work at Medium, which is great. Mm-hmm. I, I blog a lot on Medium, but um, at that nice. time, it was, it was Tumblr. And oh. um, yeah. yeah, man, I just uh, uh, was like the basement guy. I would write and answer questions and just be, you know, really like in that kind of flow state, playing with my Legos um, just for hours, man, getting lost in, in the world of self-development. Awesome. I appreciate yeah. that about you, that you felt compelled to push content out just because and that's why we're having this conversation because it reached it reached me victor and nick somehow it touched yeah. us so yeah. and it's it was different then because i i had no plans of uh so it wasn't i didn't even i don't I even know if it was called content it was called a blog and it was just a digital <laughs> diary and i did it because um again connecting to the screenwriter that i locked away right uh, as yeah. a new type of writing and i was writing for me instead of you know trying to sell something and um that was very through me Right. It was it was uh, me expressing my feelings, my state and helping other people uh, through my story. Uh, it wasn't something I was getting paid for. Uh, it was something I was just very passionate about. Um, and I had moments where, you know, four or five hours would go by and I would just, you know, like, whoa, whoa you know. Um, and I knew that 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 meant that something is happening uh, to keep listening to that. Um, so I was in coffee shops just blogging away, uh, you know, probably like 5000 blogs or something. and. Uh, um, that started everything. That's that's how I got, um, you know, followers, questions, and then you know, pu- pu- public practice and book deals and all that. If it wasn't for that, I don't I don't know what I'd be doing right now. No, and I love that that you know it started from you wanting to express that. I I love the, the one of the structures you use. I don't know if it's structure, but uh, my fucking feelings. Where you yeah, just my like, very first post. Yeah, and you and yeah. it was just so raw and authentic, and it's, I think that's a lot of what created that attraction. But I actually am curious that you know started from that, and then I found one of your blogs and, mm. and started you know following your journey more, and now we're here. Like, yeah, what do you what do you make of that? You know, what I mean, like how how do you how does that all kind of connect for you? It makes sense to me. You know, it makes sense to me that like. Um, that I, I, all I was doing was talking about my feelings and how I was going through a broken heart. Um, and also being Korean American, you know, and kind of opening up, uh, maybe people weren't used to, uh, and then documenting whether it's CrossFit or getting my first tattoo or, or my Harley or whatever. Um, and talking about love and healthy love and unhealthy love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and especially as an Asian, Asian man. Yeah. 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 You know, I, uh, you know, I, I, maybe you guys can relate to this, but my parents, you know, slept in different rooms. Like I've never seen my, my mom and dad kiss. I know they had sex twice at least, you know, but, um, <laughs> dude, everything was a joke. Like if, if they never romantic, never holding hands. And, I, yeah, and yeah. I just, that's what I grew up with. Um, and I didn't want that for myself. Um, so I, I think it, it's interesting that, um, when you are in a solid state or you try to live there um, and you try to live uh, 
in a way that's honest to you. You try to live a through me life and, and think that there are greater things happening. Um, and you kind of let go of the rock and lean into your fears. Then this kind of stuff happens where it's like, you know, uh, in my kitchen creating uh, the, uh, uh, the, the callus intensive um, because I thought there was a better way to help people because uh, I didn't have a good experience in grad school. And then, um, you know, that's where I met Vic and then, and then Victor now, now being a part of this, but also all the other stuff that you're doing and how it kind of, you know, th- threads in and out and there's a nice flow to it. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I just feel like this is what life's about if you are living on that plane, you know? Yeah. That's it's super cool to hear. Yeah, sure. it brings me joy. It brings me hope, man. It makes me believe like um, there is setup and payoff. There is uh, um, things that are happening that you that we can't see, you know. And and there are something greater. Uh, and then when you actually believe that, because most people don't believe anything they don't see, uh, then you, it's just easier to wake up in the morning and go do your yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Actually, that does make me think about maybe another way to look at that through me state is that there are lots of impacts or effects in that ripple that you might not see, you know, like oh, yeah. so many oh, yeah. of us try to create or do things and want to see results from it, like immediately or like see that direct impact. Um, but sometimes we have to disconnect or detach ourselves from, yeah. from having that result. Uh, Someone's going to listen to this episode and uh, relate to one of our stories and they may be in a, a dark place. Um, and it's going to shift something in them, you know, I bet a lot of people, right. Because COVID happened. And I know personally for me, when I was like living that fast and kind of loose life in New York city, having a ton of fun, I wouldn't have connected with bad or like this Asian group circle. If COVID hadn't happened because I was just like too distracted. Mm. I was going on in New York city, you know? So I'm actually really thankful that like this happened to me in my life because I feel like, I don't think like, I'm starting to approach more of the through me state and like, like right now I feel a little bit of the through me happening for sure. Yeah, this conversation yeah. between the four of us. Um, I don't think I really experienced that much of work that much. And like, I'm starting to feel it back in it now, being able to take mm-hmm. back some of the concepts I've learned about emotional intelligence there. And it's great. I'm really glad COVID happened to disrupt my life and get me a chance to like open up to something more meaningful like this. Yeah. That, are you, are you now working mostly from home? I'm assuming I am working completely work from home. Yeah. 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 yeah it's been good. Yeah. yeah, COVID's COVID's shaking everything up for everyone. I mean, there are you know uh, divorces happening now. There, are, <laughs> right. yeah. it's interesting because I think the COVID is um, forcing us to sit with ourselves, and mm-hmm. um, we're either going to run yeah. toward or run away. Um, and if you're going to run away, it's going to harden you. And if you run toward, it's going to soften you. And uh, I don't mean soften in as in a weakness way. I mean, speaking of badass Asian men, I think um, yeah. men who are soft, men who are sweet, are badass. Yeah, you had an expression, right? Like soft belly, hard back. Is that what you said? Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Buddhism, I like that. Buddhism, right? Yeah, yeah. Buddhism expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that expression a lot. Yeah, that's cool. It's very tangible. And I, before you, we got on with you, we were talking about how there's a street cred relatability to you that you don't use any fluffy language, you don't use any kind of new agey. You just kind of like very direct and to the point, which I think is a great way to communicate. Um, about very difficult subjects like this, which. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, um, people started saying that, uh, that they resonate with uh, me bringing things to street level, but it's nothing that I like. I never sat down and said, okay, what's yeah. my brand? What's going to be my, t- <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a C student and uh, going through <laughs> school and learning dense concepts in, uh, in my master's program, I knew that I could never help someone unless I really kind of like John Kim did, dumbed it down, brought it, you know, what does, what does it really mean? How can we apply this to life? Um, because therapy and uh, self-betterment can be very um, 
very out there, very, very mm-hmm. philosophical, very theory driven, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, um, it would just be copy and paste and I wouldn't be uh, able to be effective. And so early on, I was like, okay, let's take something like pseudo versus solid by, um, you know, Marty Bowen and, and, and this idea of differentiation of self and, and all of that. And what does that mean? How can I bring it down and help my clients, you know? Uh, and, and so uh, that's, that was all my writing was, you know, um, you know, who else did that? You know, who's the grandfather of this is like Bruce Lee. Mm. Like, how do you get more simple than be like water? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 And, and he definitely is a badass Asian guy, but not because I don't, it's not because he could fight. Like it had nothing to do with martial arts. For me, Bruce Lee was like at that time, um, I think he married a Caucasian, right? He married a, a Caucasian girl, which was, you know, frowned upon. She didn't do that. Came to America, was successful, um, started his own uh, methodology as far as martial arts. And yeah. then um, his philosophy, his life philosophy, that's what I'm like, wow, yeah. that's, this guy can yeah. really simplify things. Yeah. yeah. And it was super highly developed too, right? He had a massive library where he had all sorts of philosophy, martial arts, mm-hmm. and all sorts of books in there. But he was still able to like realize the most important thing you could do with that knowledge is distill it into something that is immediately do- – like it was like, do not try. All these like random things that like you like hear about, but you immediately get when you are in the right stage of life and listen yeah. to it, right? Yeah. He's so good with his quotes. Yeah. I have um I have racist friends that call me Jackie Chan. And I'm like, <laughs> if you're gonna call me Jackie Chan, just call me Bruce Lee. They're like, no, no, you don't look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> I mean yeah. Jackie Chan's also badass, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does his own stunts. That dude is yeah. nuts. Yeah. 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 Man, I mean, and thank you for coming on for being another badass Asian dude to really cause to really like, you know talk more about that from an internal sense too. Uh, I think we need more people. Like we, we talk about Bruce Lee, but that was like multiple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much respect for what he's done. But I think, you know, we got to continue that momentum. Yeah. And that's the baton. Yeah. You're alive too. So you're, you're, we can dialogue with you. Like, unfortunately we can't talk to Bruce Lee. We can only engage with what he left behind. Right. His legacy. This is a hologram. I died two years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I pulled I pulled a Thelma and Louise off a. Uh, well, off this a is a deep fake point. of John Kim. Yeah, guys. it's actually really highly artificially intelligent. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no, thank you guys for for creating this dialogue. I think it's important. Um, also, thank you thank you for for uh, calling me a badass. I don't see myself that way. Um, I, I, I see it that way. I, yeah. I love I love what you guys are doing, man. It's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Is there, do you feel like, is there anything else you'd like to say to, um, to, a, a, a an Asian kid who wants to, maybe not even kid, Asian man who wants to be more badass, who wants to live a through me life? Like what, what would be any last words that you'd like to share with? Oh them? man, there's so many, but, um, if I was to pick one, um, you know, the one that I always go to just cause it, it's something I used to do was, uh, I used to exchange my truth for membership a lot. And um, I think uh, as an Asian American, that could happen um, in so many ways, you know, from parents to who you should be, what school you should go to, the grades you should have, all of that. Um, So I would say never, never exchange your truth for membership. And so whether membership is, you know, to a club or to whatever, or if membership is um, you you taking on your parents' definitions, right? Um, Don't exchange your truth, you know? Stand on your truth. That's uh, that's something I, I I would leave with. I love that quote. Um, I know that I we all want to keep 
having this conversation. Um, yeah. uh, I actually don't know what your timeline is like, but you know, when you, when you brought that up, actually that was one of those quotes and questions we wanted to expand on in that is such a hard hitting thing, you know? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, would you have time to really expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, me, uh, in my twenties, um, in the, uh, um, the, uh, restaurant bar club world. So it was a kind of like a high end supper club, um, that basically my, my parents, you know, um, had a little like hot dog hamburger shack, saved up money for 10 years, bought a pioneer chicken in long beach that turned to a Popeye's chicken. Um, and then we sold that and we took all our savings and bought this little, uh, Italian restaurant in Hollywood that catered to post-production. Uh, the nights were dead because Hollywood wasn't cool like it was now. Um, and then I met a promoter and he's like, I could blow your place up. It's amazing. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And so he did it. And within three months, um, it like blew up where there's 400 people waiting outside. It was only celebrities, models, all that super high end. Um, and at that time, I started to exchange my truth for membership, you know, mm. and we had this deal where he was going to front the club where he pretended like he owned it. So I was the the dude, you know, washing dishes in the back and he would, he would roll up like, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the models and the, the, the fancy cars and all that. I mean, it was kind of like the, uh, the hip hop videos back in 2001, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember just watching him thinking like, uh, you know, I want to be that guy and I'm willing to exchange, you know, my truth or who I am to get it. Um, and of course that, that is living outside in instead of inside out. Um, so after my divorce, I, one of the things that I, I made a promise to myself is um, I'm not going to exchange my truth for membership. I don't need to be a part of, uh, of any club if it requires um, me to sell my soul, you know. And so it happened to me in therapy where I was leading toward um, working in a high-end residential treatment centers where um, I got paid a lot, you know, but I had to um, wear slacks and tuck my shirt in and do things that were very conventional. Um, and I remember this one time I was working at a high-end eating disorder treatment center. Um, and she was, I mean, she was doing so well. These centers make millions, right? And um, she was kind of like Darth Vader. Everyone's scared of her and, and you know, they don't want to lose their job. And I rolled up on my uh, little Ducati uh, monster with uh, uh, DVDs. And I wanted to play movies as interventions for, uh, the, the, for the groups, for the eating disorder patients. Um, and I got fired for it. And I thought to myself, this is the universe telling me um, that you don't belong here and you need to do your own thing. And again, that's when I kept being the angry therapist. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to exchange my truth for membership anymore. You know? It grays you out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that hits me because it, it, it applies in so many ways, right? Where I might have found myself doing that, trying to mm -hmm. see, you know, trying to be this image of what was cool or like the popular right. kid in right. you know other places or try to be this expressive person maybe a loud person when maybe that's not me yeah you know just so I could you know get plugged into what I, what I had deemed a, a higher status or whatnot so yeah me membership can also be um love membership can also right. be um, a you know a girl or a guy or what like it, oh, it yeah. could be a lot of, it doesn't just mean society but yeah it could be anything man it could be yeah a fancy job whatever it makes me think okay. also like some people get this innately where it's like don't try to change people just like accept them where they are and see what we can do about it and some people mm. 
like it sounds like the Darth Vader person you were talking about. She her whole life belief is around like controlling people and like making them well, fit a certain yeah. mold and like you only yeah. get to get if you sell part of yourself. So she was in a buy me state. Yeah, buy me, iron fist, man. People are terrified yeah. of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you know she was probably really lonely too and unhappy, but yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder if there's people out there listening right now, like some people in the back of me, maybe who are like, there was a story that really resonated with me in your book. It was a story about a super successful startup founder who had a perfect family. Everything was perfect on the outside, but mm-hmm. it was coming to you saying it was deeply unhappy and it was mm-hmm. depressing. I remember in the book, you were talking about how he had to figure out that the reason he was so unhappy and it actually turns out this his entire life, nobody really like wanted to be around. It was because he's yeah. super mental. Right. He was very much right. in the state, right? Like, how do you, how can you tell when you're like in that version of a state versus like further along, like instead of in a to me, like in a further state to buy me and for me, maybe through me, how do you, how do you know where you are? How do you get a sense for like where you are? So do you think that like people just know and listening to this where they are in those stages? Or do you think uh, there needs to be a little no, bit of a guide? I don't think, you know, I don't think it's written on the wall. I think it's something that uh, it's a practice. Like you have to uh, drop in to yourself. You got to check in. You have to really be honest with yourself. And I think it's blurry. I think it's, I think a lot of times we don't know. You know, um, also examining what's happening in your life. You know, are you happy? Um, yeah, I don't think it's something where it's like, you know, um, you just know or that it hits you maybe, you know. So that comes back to like mindfulness meditation, like making space for yourself to really listen on what's going yeah. on deeper inside. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're such logical creatures. Um, I think we live in our heads and I think um, a more powerful radar is our body and it's only in the last maybe five years that I've even been exploring what it looks like or feels like to check in, to drop in. Um, what do I feel? And using words like soul, energy, intuition, um, those are words that I thought were hokey and stupid. You know, mm-hmm. um, Everything either made sense or didn't make sense. Everything either I see, I believe, or I don't see it, I don't believe it. Um, and now um, I think that's in the backseat and what rides shotgun for me is um, how do I want to feel? Yeah. You know, that, that is the power I've experienced with a lot of people have, with psychedelics. It stops your mind. Oh, yeah. From yeah. Overthinking. Yeah. And it, it's like, how do you actually feel like, I don't feel good about that. That's enough of a sign, right? You just don't <laughs> right, feel right, good. Right. Or you're like, that makes me feel good. Right. Yeah. That is another lead, right? right. It's, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. we have to go on a retreat with you, John, and do some. <laughs> do some Let's do it. Let's do, do it. I see. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. That has, the, yeah, bad, the bad retreat. I see that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and yeah. You guys, you guys need to make some jackets, man. Some right? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 A little branded. Yeah. 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 Send jacket, you one for, oh, yeah. for riding, dude. Oh, that'd be sick. We'll send you one to so you can ride on your motorcycle. Yeah. With. Yeah. No, I I really think um you guys should definitely do some kind of retreat. Um, that hangs on all of this and giving yeah. um, other Asian men experience. maybe that retreat is a version of that initiation thing or that the uh, um, you know um, not initiation what were you saying the uh, uh, like, yeah what did I say a rite of passage you know? rite of passage yes rite of passage oh be our guest speaker John uh, yeah I'll be there whatever you guys want I mean it could come in the form of you know adventure and dirt bikes and lifting and all that right? yeah yes. yeah so, uh, that's, I mean, that's stuff with, with mushrooms yeah. and psychedelics. Yeah, there you go. So we have this. talked about doing this. We yeah, have. like a plant we medicine have. based trip. So this is amazing that you're like, this is this would be a great day. We're like, wait, we think so too. Anyway, this this yeah. sounds like a really great thing to explore. Could totally, you guys should definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Are you guys on Instagram? 
Uh, we're not on Instagram. A bunch of us individually, yes, but not, not the yet. badass Asian dudes. Uh, right. We will be starting up a YouTube channel and Sweet. Uh, but the Facebook group as well is already happening. So thank you again yeah. for coming on. I know we could definitely continue this for hours, but um, how could how could people find you if they want to read up on your content or, or uh, just at the angry therapist? Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, guys, All right. thanks for having me. Stay, yeah. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Stay John. badass. Be well. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you all for listening. I think he just he just dropped out there, but um, uh, really appreciate you all for listening to this episode. And again, mad props for John Kim for coming on here to share this story and, and all those nuggets of information. Um, do any of you want to end with any closing thoughts or maybe we can actually spend a couple minutes for some reflection if that would make sense. Yeah. Sure. You want to go, Brandon? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the best thing that I can say about, you know, just chatting with him is like having someone just a little bit older down the journey a little bit to just remind you like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Just keep doing the thing that you're unsure about because you know, nobody, anybody older than us has no idea what's really going on. And I like to hear that confirmed every once in a while. I don't like when people say, I'm older than you. I know things about the world. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I did like how, like, how, how real he is in that, right? Like, it's just like, I was a therapist and I am a coach and I've done all these things, but also there's still so much to explore and I'm also not perfect. I think there was something really refreshing about his approach to life too, where it's like, you know, trust it when you feel that, that truth coming out and like build on that truth, like do the work um, and take it one step at a time while you're doing it. And like, you will be able to figure things out, but it has to come from the right place. Right. And I think really talking about the through me really resonated. And there's just so much in that conversation. I really, really enjoyed. So I had a yeah. great time on that. I would love to talk to you again. Well, awesome. If you had enjoyed this episode, please do share this with somebody who could benefit from it or that you'd love to use this as a start, starting point for a conversation like to have. Um, but also just tell others about it and join us on our Facebook group, uh, Badass Asian Dudes. You can just search through Facebook as well. And with that, again, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace.